This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Details are still emerging following a shooting earlier this month at New Hampshire Hospital. The gunman who shot and killed a security guard inside the hospital had been a patient there. John Midori was involuntarily committed to the psychiatric hospital on multiple occasions back in 2016 and 17. At the time, he was also facing criminal charges following an incident where he barricaded himself in a bedroom armed with guns. Midori's history of serious mental health concerns is now leading to questions about how he obtained firearms and if a patchwork system of gun regulations are to blame. NHPR's Todd Bookman has been looking into this, and he joins us now. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, Rick. So, Todd, what we do know is that Midori used a 9mm gun to kill security guard Bradley Haas on November 17th. He also had an AR-style rifle in the U-Haul he drove to the hospital that day. But what we don't know yet is is where he got those guns? That's correct. So the attorney general's office has not said anything yet about how Midori got the 9mm pistol um, that he used to kill Bradley Haas or where the rifle came from that was found in his rented U-Haul that was left in the parking lot. What we do know, though, is that these are not the same guns that Midori had back in 2016 when he barricaded himself in the house. Um, He ultimately gave himself up in that incident without any injuries. Right. And your reporting and reporting from the New Hampshire Bulletin show that that the police seized those firearms. Right. A bail order was put in place that required him to turn over the guns after that arrest. We also have other records from the 2016 case that show Midori was suffering from severe mental illness at the time. He had been involuntarily committed to psychiatric hospitals on multiple occasions back in 2016, 2017, including at New Hampshire Hospital where the shooting took place. The criminal charges in that domestic case where he barricaded himself, they were eventually dropped. It isn't exactly clear if that was because he was found incompetent to stand trial, but that's what the court files seem to suggest. Some of the documents uh, remain sealed. So, Todd, when someone is committed to a psychiatric hospital in New Hampshire, like Midori was, what does that mean for their ability to own or, or buy a gun? So it turns out that's a very hard thing to answer. Let's start with the federal law. 1968, the Gun Control Act, it makes it illegal for anyone adjudicated mentally ill or committed to a mental institution to own or buy a gun. Sounds fairly cut and dry. The issue is enforcement. No federal agency appears to aggressively enforce this law. Instead, what typically happens is someone will be charged with another crime and then the feds may add on an illegal gun charge. But again, that's often after the fact, after some other criminal act. If the federal government has this law but isn't actively enforcing it, what, if anything, are individual states doing? So about 40 states do have explicit laws that lay out what should happen in terms of gun possession or background checks for a person who's found to be a danger to themselves or to others because of a serious mental illness. And a lot of this state-level action, it came in the wake of the 2007 Virginia Tech shooting. The federal government gave states money to set up the infrastructure so that they could basically share information with the FBI's background check system, what's called NICS, and put people who've been maybe found unable to stand trial or not guilty by reason of insanity or involuntarily committed into this federal database. And that's so that when gun shops do background checks, these folks are flagged. But it's really far from consistent from state to state. I spoke with Deidre Bowen. She's an attorney and a researcher at Seattle University's School of Law, and she's written about this issue. 
we don't have a clear infrastructure in each and every state that says this is how we're going to go about enforcing and checking to make sure that people who are now on this list no longer have their guns. So the majority of states do require NICS notification following an involuntary commitment. And a lot of those states also offer people a chance to petition to get their their guns back. Some states also have laws that allow authorities to actually remove guns from people when they've been committed or when there are concerns, whether from family members or maybe from law enforcement, about them being a danger. And then there's New Hampshire. New Hampshire is one of just a few states that doesn't have a law requiring notification to the FBI when someone is adjudicated mentally ill. Why is that, Todd? What's the background on on New Hampshire's lack of of such laws here? So it gets even more complicated because there actually was a law passed back in 2016. It had Republican backing. It was actually a single sentence talked into a totally unrelated Medicaid expansion bill. And it says that no one should be reported to NICS when they've been involuntarily committed. But it also lays out a lone exception. It says that the only people who can be reported must have had a hearing on the matter and had to have been represented by an attorney. Again, this was seven years ago. And right from the start, legal officials in the state seemed to have a hard time agreeing on what this law meant. The judicial branch at the time, just after the law was passed, essentially said this isn't a clear enough statute. We don't understand what the legislature was intending here. And we know this because there's actually correspondence back and forth between the attorney general and the state Supreme Court about how to interpret this law. Uh, The bottom line is that today, as we understand it, it's not being enforced. Okay, so it remains on the books, but but nobody in New Hampshire is getting reported to, to the federal database if they've been involuntarily committed? Yes and no. Yes, it's on the books. Yes, the courts are apparently not reporting all people who are involuntarily committed to the NICS system. And yet there are today, according to public data, more than 650 people from New Hampshire who are in the NICS system because of serious mental health concerns. So some people are being reported to NICS or they have been in the past. But we asked the attorney general's office. We asked the Department of Safety And they really weren't able to provide specifics on how this process is working today, who actually flagged and reported these people. Okay, when it comes to John Midori, uh, Todd, the gunman at New Hampshire Hospital, would he have been in the federal background database at the time of the shooting? I can tell you this. I can tell you that if he had been a resident of most other states other than New Hampshire, then the answer to that question is likely yes. It's also possible he's one of the people from New Hampshire who is in the NICS system. We, we just don't know yet. The last point I'll make here, though, is that being flagged in NICS does not prevent someone from obtaining a gun in New Hampshire. Private gun sales that happen here don't require a background check, and neither would a transaction between a, a friend or a relative giving someone a gun. And, of course, you can also buy guns illegally. Lindsay Nichols is with Giffords. This is the anti-gun violence group founded by former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. She says after these types of shootings, it can be frustrating even for gun law experts to know what went wrong, as she put it, what hole this person may have fallen through. Is it a reporting failure? Is it the fact that he just bought it from a private unlicensed seller who's not required to conduct background checks? Is it been like the law been interpreted in a, in a narrow way by the state and therefore they think they weren't supposed to report him? So it's never entirely clear. So with Midori, at some point, authorities may release where he obtained the weapon that was used to kill Bradley Haas. But, you know, that may only open up more questions. 
Todd Buckman has been digging into gun laws and mental health in New Hampshire. You can find more of his reporting at nhpr.org. Thanks, Todd. Thank you. It is Morning Edition here on NHPR. We're diving into this week's headlines on the New Hampshire News Recap. If you've got questions for us and want to inform our reporting, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at voices at nhpr.org. I'm joined now by Anne-Marie Timmons of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Anne-Marie, you reported this week that the Department of Safety is recommending changes to security at state buildings following that shooting at New Hampshire Hospital on November 17th. How is the hospital changing its security after the shooting? You know, there's a couple of things that jumped out at me. The big one is that security officers would be armed. You know, when Bradley Haas encountered armed shooter in the lobby of the hospital, he was the one that did not have a gun. That is changing. Um, security officers, and including those who are screening visitors and patients and staff when they enter the building, they will be armed now. There will also be an addition of three armed private security guards on the campus at all times. Now, there's a disagreement nationally over whether weapons should be present in hospital settings. And so I think the response to this will be interesting. Um, another recommendation that was interesting was that when Concord police and other first responders came to the hospital that day in the moments after the shooting, they could not get into all parts of the hospital for their security suite because they didn't have access to certain wings. They didn't have maps to the building. And that w- that is in the process of changing too. Um, they will be given those key cards. They'll be giving a, real, a map so they'll know exactly where they are and where they need to go. Um, so this really exposed that they don't have that kind of access now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what other security improvements are they recommending for, for other state buildings? I think what, what we see here is really right now going to be an audit of what is currently happening. You know, you can walk into most buildings, say, from courthouses and not encounter anyone. It, we're a very open state. You can just freely come and go. Um, the question of will we see more security um, at those entrances, there would also be a lot more training. Um, two big ones are, you know, responding to emergencies. How do you run an incident command center? And also um, active shooter training. So employees will, according to the recommendations, have more opportunities to take those. Uh, Emory, how else are you continuing to follow this story? What are the questions are, are you looking to answer right now? I think uh, Todd really identified the big ones. Um, where did these guns come from and, and what loophole um, did they get through? Uh, I think the other big question is, we'll see gun legislation again this session. Is the conversation different now that we have a real life case right here close to home, you know, miles from the state house? Um, and so I wonder if that's going to change how we talk about this and ultimately, you know, whether is it a difference? Do we start submitting mental health records um, to the to the NIC system, I think, is a, a good starting question. It's a, it's a very complicated set of laws that, that govern that. So we appreciate your reporting and Todd's reporting as well on that, and we'll be watching for more. I'd like to turn to some political news this week, uh, Anne-Marie. The Executive Council voted to reject contracts with three organizations that would provide reproductive health services to low-income residents. What was in these proposed contracts? This money provides um, low or even no-cost basic health care for low-income patients. You know, for many, it's the only health care they get. So it can cover cancer screenings, testing and treatment for sexually transmitted diseases, contraception, family planning and counseling, includes pregnancy testing, and referral to prenatal care if someone is pregnant and wants to carry through that pregnancy. Um, So really, really basic care. This is the fifth time, I guess, in three years that the council has voted down these contracts, right? This is the fifth time. Well, what's the reasoning for consistently rejecting them? 
There's there's two that I've heard. Um, for Councillor Ted Gatsis, he said he will not support any contract that pays for Plan B emergency contraception. Um, that I think caught the former HHS commissioner by surprise, and she said, "I want you to understand that this is contraception, not." ending a pregnancy. And so there's, there's a little clarity needed there on what, how he understands that. Um, broadly, all four Republicans uh, on the council oppose abortion, and they object to giving any health care provider public money if that provider also provides abortions, even if that money is not used directly for abortion care. Now, my understanding is there's been audits of this, and, and does any of the state's money actually go towards abortions? No. And state audits, you're right, have shown that. What Republicans will say is that if the money pays even the light bill in a clinic that also does abortion, even if that money is not paying for abortion, it essentially is. And and that that's where they draw the line. Emory, before I let you go, what other stories are you following right now? Well, last count, there were 879 legislative service requests, which become bills. (laughs) Uh, So I'm making my way through those. We've seen some legislation there already. We'll see more. Um, And it's really our first indication of what the big debates might look like next year. So that's where I'm at right now. All right. Plenty to to cover, always. Emery Timmons is a reporter for the New Hampshire Bulletin. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can find more of her reporting, by the way, at NewHampshireBulletin.com. And we're here next Friday with a fresh recap and top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is NHPR.